open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Life slip, come down, now to keep it real Open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Tick, tick, we wishing What's up, world? You're tuned into Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Monk. We coming at you with another episode. Just want to give a shout out to all the listeners, all the supporters out there. Y'all know who you are. Thanks for supporting, listening. Thank you for giving me feedback. I also love it, man. I'm running into people in person and they're coming up and telling me they're listening and we're having good conversation. So that's awesome. But if you haven't left a rating and review on Apple Podcast, go do that. It's funny because we'll have this great conversation person to person, which is awesome. But go do that online. It helps grow the show. Also, get at us on Spotify. So if you listen on Spotify, follow us there. We're on Google Play also. So if that's your preferred method, all you Android people out there, we're on Google Play as well. And then do us a favor when you're on your socials. Take a picture of you listening to the episode. Take a picture of the episode, a little screenshot. Share that on your socials. It helps us out. And then engage in the conversation. Leave us comments. Comment on our stuff. Let's get some discussion going. After all, that is the point. Other announcements. Honor to the name single by Glory is out. So go get that on whatever digital streaming platform you listen to music on. And then, of course, the Sidewalk album, if you've been listening to us for a minute, that's been out. But go grab that as well. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Glory Podcast. We got a few videos up there. Uh, more are in the works. So let's get into this today. Today, I am reading from the works of Flavius Josephus, or Josephus. He was a historian slash reporter in the days that followed after Christ, if you want to look at the historical period there. Um, to get a little context as to what I'm talking about here, of course, I'm, I'm going to apply this work it back around, apply it to real day situations, modern day situations, but... Go back and listen to my episode with Bill Vanderbush. He's actually the first person I ever heard talk about this. He brings it up in that episode. And so it gave me an idea. I'm going to go look into this in a little more depth and see what it's about. And then it's awesome. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one. It's a great episode. It will bless you tremendously, but you will get the context for this um, little historical event that I'm going to be reading from. So uh, Josephus, like I said, he was a reporter for the Roman kind of government at the time, and he's reporting on all these events um, happening in Rome during those days. He's been called, if you listen to that episode with Bill, uh, Bill calls him kind of like the Walter Cronkite of his day. So he's reporting. He doesn't really have a dog into the fight. He's just trying to report factual stuff for the Roman records of the day. So 
Anyway, we're going to get into it. And, and the focus of the, today's discussion is, right, God leaves you signs. The universe leaves you signs, however you want to phrase that. You know, I'm going to use God and Christ in those terms because I am a believer. I'm a Christian, and that's where I fall. Uh, so don't get offended by the terminology. If you're not there, uh, that's all right. But hopefully you'll listen with an op- open eyes and open heart to what we have to say because these concepts can be applied to whatever your belief is whatever your belief system but really what we're talking about is you seeing things going on in the world around you and then instead of being awed and inspired or wanting to engage more in the mystery and the wonder of the world around you instead you just turn a blind eye and go back to business as usual as I say, ignorance is bliss, and we'll see an example here where um, the Jewish community of that day turned a blind eye to signs that were being very, very, very apparent, almost beating them over the head, signs of things to come, yet they turned a blind eye to it, ignored it, continued business as usual, and then a few years later, their entire nation was destroyed, right? The temple was sacked, and then Rome basically, Rome and its contractors basically attempted a genocide on the Jewish people in those days. But here, Josephus is reporting about things that happened shortly before the fall of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, So, there was a star resembling a sword which stood over the city. I'm reading now. And a comet that continued a whole year. All right. So, they're saying they would look up to the star, the sky at night. Um. And right, there's a big store resemble, or a star resembling a sword in the sky, right, standing over the city of Jerusalem. So you look up to the sky at night over the city of Jerusalem, and there's this huge star that's appearing, and it looks like a sword or it looks like a cross, and it was in the sky burning above the city of Jerusalem for a whole year, right. And the people living there in the day took no notice of it, or if they did, they did not understand the significance of it. Oh, it's just business as usual. We're going to do our, like, not looking. To me, if, and then I'm going to apply kind of my personal take on this. To me, if, if there are a few things, if there are strange things occurring in my natural environment, typically I'm looking at that and be like, yo, God's trying to get my attention. Okay. It could be something that's bad and a little bit uncomfortable. It happens. It could just be a sequence of very odd and seemingly ill-timed events or events that just seem to coincide for whatever reason. We call them coincidences, but we actually misuse that word in English. I won't get into that, though. Um, But, you know, let's see, like, um, for example... I have a dream and there are roses in my dream and I wake up in the morning remembering roses, right? Then I'm going about my day, do, 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 do. And then I see some roses, like some rose. I get stuck at a, a red light and I'm behind a flower delivery truck and the logo has roses on it. Then I'm sitting down reading later in that day 
And one of the first passages I read happens to have this description of roses. I'm not planning these things, but then boom, rose, rose, rose. And I'm like, okay, God, you've got my attention. What is the deal with these roses? And we sit, I sit, and I pray about that. I get some revelation about that. And it's a way of communication, okay? Say like other things. I'm going about my day. Another example. I'm going about my day, going about my business, and let's say for three or four days in a row, almost any interaction I have with someone, there seems to be a conflict, 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 conflict. I am not seeking the conflict, so I got to go, okay, hey, there's this conflict, there's this conflict, there's this conflict. What is going on? I got to sit in silence, sit in prayer with God, because I'm noticing some. if it's going on in your outward environment, it is a reflection of your inward state. Right, And God will use the outward environment, the outward circumstances to get your attention. Okay, so this is an example. Like you think, bro, there's a huge star in the sky that looks like a flaming sword. And there's been political instability in our nation for about a hundred years. And then now, now for this whole year... It's just been sitting over our holy city. I think maybe, maybe we just might pay attention a little bit and try to change up the way we're doing things. But that's the thing. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has eyes, let him see the blind lead the blind into the ditch and all of those other parables and metaphors. All right. So continue. I'm back to the book here. So, thus, also before the Jews' rebellion and before those commotions which preceded the war, when the people were coming in great crowds to the Feast of the Unleavened Bread on the eighth day of the month of Xanthicus, or Nisan, at the ninth hour of the night, so great a light shone around the altar in the holy house that it appeared to be bright daytime, which had lasted for half an hour. This light seemed to be a good sign to the unskillful, but was so interpreted by the sacred scribes as to portend those events that followed immediately upon it. At the same festival also, a heifer, as she was led by the high priest to be sacrificed, brought forth a lamb in the midst of the temple. All right, so they're having their holy feast. This is shortly before the rebellion, which then the rebellion led to an all-out war. But again, this nation of people crucified the their own savior because he said, hey, I'm not here to save you by bringing a sword to Rome. That's another topic. But shortly after Christ's death, uh, things are heating up. As I say, the kitchen's getting hot uh, politically. So they're engaging in one of their holy feasts. And, you know, I one of the things is the priest would go offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people. You know, and this is the idea of a priesthood. Uh, you want to look up the priesthood or the order of Melchizedek. That's the new covenant priesthood. That's why Christians, we don't go to a priest and offer a sacrifice anymore. But this is this was the practice back then. All right. So there. um 
it's during this um, Feast of the Unleavened Bread, um, and then right around um, the temple in Jerusalem, right, a light begins to shine so brightly that it makes, it's night, that it makes it makes it look like the day. So in the temple, right, the light is shining so brightly that it makes it appear as if it is day. It lasts for half an hour. The priest and the, um, well, um, the high priest and then the other priest who would assist him uh, would have seen this. But you wonder, like, why wasn't it reported? Why wasn't this taken as so far as a great sign, right? And Josephus report, this light seemed to be a good sign to the unskillful, like like the common people, the people who had no study and no training in this would have known like, okay, this is a, like, this is a sign we need to pay attention. Um, and something's about to go down, something's about to happen. And then as they're bringing forth the sacrifice, so they would try to get like a heifer that was quote unquote unblemished the best of the herd, so to speak, bringing the heifer forth to engage in the, the ritual of sacrifice. And what happens is the heifer, the cow, gives birth to a lamb. Wait, hold on. So you're telling me we got this big light that is shown while we're engaging in this holy festival. And now on top of that, and this is historic, I'm not reading, this is historically recorded, guys. This is not like some fiction. Okay. Um, but you're about to engage in the sacrifice and now a, the cow you're about to chop up uh, gives birth to a lamb. And you just go on about your duty. To me, I'd have been like, wait, hold up. I might have stopped. I might have reported it. I don't know what I would have done. But point being here, two more miraculous events happen. But what happens? The people continue on business as usual. So, again, I just want to reemphasize. When you see those things, those events occur in your life, pay attention Change your course. Change your direction. It's important. Do not go on business as usual. I would contend that the advent of the coronavirus is just one of those such things. Right? It gave us time off. It gave us time to reflect. We looked at it as a curse, but it was a blessing. Okay? So you had time to... You weren't in such a big rush all of a sudden when everything was locked down, but so many of us, all we did was complain about things being locked down or we complained about how scary it was to go out into the real world. Like, hold on. This was a great time to sit in silence and reevaluate your life and what is important. And then what happens? All right. We're still trying to figure out. We're not trying to change anything. It's just like boom, 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 medicine, medicine, medicine. The the obvious thing was virus attacks systems, so it attacks our immune system, but the virus in terms of attacking us personally also is attacking our economic system, our political system, systems as a whole. We ought to be paying attention. The way we keep carrying on, we cannot keep carrying on anymore. But apply it personally. The way you keep carrying on, you can't keep carrying on anymore. 
I think we ought to be understanding that health really is wealth and faith in the government, faith in a vaccine, faith in a mask. Those are all idols. Faith in God will release you from the fear and anxiety you have about these things. And that should be our focus. To me, I see, again, the advent of Corona very similarly as this heifer giving birth to a lamb. This light shining over the city of Jerusalem for a year before the war starts. All right. So back to the book. Moreover, the eastern gate of the inner court of the temple, which was of brass, vastly heavy, and had been with difficulty shut by 20 men, and rested upon a basis armed with iron, and had bolts fastened very deep and firm to the floor, which there was made of one entire stone, was seen to be opened of its own accord about the sixth hour of the night. So on the same night, right? On the same night, this big light shone, and then the lamb, the lamb was born from the heifer. Right, they have this huge gate that usually would, like it wouldn't close. They only open it and close it certain times of the year, and it would take a bunch of people to do it, not just one little priest. It was open, and no one had opened it or shut it. It came open of its own accord again. Another miraculous event all stacked together. So for me, look at it this way. You see one miraculous event, and you kind of get skeptical. Maybe you, you, you might want to pay attention, but you're like, well, there could be some explanations for it. But like I said, you can ask God to confirm it or reconfirm it. And once you see one, two, three things in a row, boom, 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 back to back happening in a close succession, it's probably a sign that um, you really, really need to pay attention. Like I use with my seeing roses example, back to the book. Now those that kept watching the temple came hereupon running to the captain of the temple and told him of it, who then came up thither and with not without great difficulty was able to shut the gate again. This also appeared to the vulgar to be a very happy prodigy as if God did thereby open the gate of happiness. But the men of learning understood it that the security of their holy house was dissolved of its own accord and that the gate was open for the advantage of their enemies. So these publicly declared that the signal foreshadowed the desolation that was coming upon them. So they start to pay attention to this now. And they're like, oh, there's a breach in our security and even our best kept efforts to prevent the breach um it's coming open of their own accord again christ told them of this beforehand this was why they killed him <laughs> because he was a threat to their system and now these words are coming true but instead of trying to change course and trying to operate in a different way yes we're we're aware of it but we're going to keep pushing forward the same way we always have Again, you've got to correct that course. Adapt, overcome, recalibrate, and all of those good things. So, besides these, a few days later after that feast, on the 1 and 20th day of the month of our Artemisius, or Jair, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon appeared. 
I suppose the account of it would seem to be a fable were it not related to those who saw it and were not the events that followed of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. Four, before sunsetting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and surrounding of cities. So all this happens in this one night, right? Um, so first of all, you right, context. Let's look at the context. And this is what I'm saying, like, with, with certain events, events in your exterior environment, if you pay attention and you start to see these things happen in succession, they create a context that ought to get your attention. Okay. So let's look at the context here. First of all, right, the setting of the story, a.k.a. the rising action, right? We have a star hanging over the city of Jerusalem that's shaped like a sword. And it's sitting over that city for a year. So there's your context. So you already, you already ought to be paying attention to that. All right. So then, all right, there's a big light that starts shining in the temple at a certain time of night. Then as the priest is going about his holy duties, a lamb or a cow gives birth to a lamb. And then they go to check all of their gates in this big, heavy gate in order for it to be open, which no one has been there opening it, has opened of its own accord. So you have boom, 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 boom. All these events happening in a short period of time set by the context of the star in the sky over the city of Jerusalem. Now, they look up in the sky on that particular night where the cow has given birth to the lamb. The gate is opened on its own. There was this bright light shining inside the temple. And then they look up to the sky. And again, um, Josephus here says, he's like, I wouldn't have believed it. It would seem like a fable or some story people were telling. But the events that happened afterward were incredible. And then he's like, I had multiple upon multiple upon multiple people who had no stake in the game, no skin in the game to they're like, there was no reason for them to tell this story, looked up to the sky and they see basically chariots of fire and troops of soldiers in the clouds. So you could take this interpretation for whatever you will, but you know, you have basically angel armies or armies of people that aren't people up in the sky. You're seeing pictures of, you know, wars happening in the sky now how many more signs do you need and that's what i would ask you how many more signs do you need you've been asking god for this you've been asking god for that how many more signs do you need go <laughs> go do the thing back to the book moreover at that feast, which we call Pentecost, as the priests were going by night into the inner court of the temple, as their custom was to perform their sacred ministrations, they said that in the first place they felt a quaking, heard a great noise, and after that they heard a sound as a great multitude saying, let us remove hence. So as they go into the holy place, right? So right, the temple was laid out in this way. There's an outer court. Right, so an outer court, the general public could be, if you were part of that belief system, you could hang out. Uh, this is where Jesus was when he flipped over the tables because people were buying and selling things. 
Um, we might do an episode on that. Anyway, um, then there was an inner court, which if you were a priest in training, part of the order, you might hang out in the inner court and attend to certain duties that were your job. And then the high priest, there was within the inner court, there was an inner chamber called the holy place. And those that's where the high priest would go to offer the sacrifice on behalf of the people to God. All right, so what they're saying is, um, right, the priest in the inner court, that second level, were, you know, helping to prepare things for the high priest as he would go into the holy place. They said those priests working in the inner court felt a great quaking. We could say this was like an earthquake, so to speak, and they were hearing noises that sounded like people like millions of voices of people saying let us remove hence more or less saying you need to get out of here you need to stop doing things the way that you're doing all right so all of these events keep lining up but we keep going about our sacred duties without paying attention business as usual okay Anyway, so we'll go back to the book, read a couple more of these, make some application, wrap it up. So, but what is still more terrible, there is this one Jesus, um, not Jesus Christ. Jesus was a common name back in the day. Uh, there's this one Jesus, the son of Ananus, a plebeian and a husbandman, who four years before the war began and at a time when the city was in very great peace and prosperity, came to the feast whereon it is our custom for everyone to make tabernacles to God in the temple. So this was known as the Feast of the Tabernacles, back to the book. And on a very sudden began to cry aloud, a voice from the east, a voice from the west, a voice from the four winds, a voice against Jerusalem and the holy house, a voice against the bridegrooms and brides, and a voice against his this whole people. This was his cry, and he went about day and night in all the lanes of the city. However, a certain of the most eminent among the populace had great indignation at this dire cry of his, took up the man and gave him a great number of severe stripes. Yet did not he either say anything for himself, nor of anything peculiar, peculiar to those that chastised him, but still went on with those same words which he cried before. Hereupon our rulers, supposing it's the case... Excuse me. Uh, as the case proved to be that this was a sort of divine fury in the man, brought him to the Roman procurator, where he was whipped till his bones were laid bare, yet he did not make any supplication for himself, nor shed any tears, but turning his voice to the most lamentable tone possible at every stroke of the whip, his answer was, woe, woe, woe to Jerusalem. So, all right, so his own people... And so, first of all, let's look at it this way. You have a dude named Jesus. <laughs> Not Jesus Christ, but another guy named Jesus echoing this, the words of Elijah, echoing the words of Jeremiah, echoing the words of Isaiah, echoing the words of John the Baptist, echoing the words of Jesus Christ. You have him going about saying this, and it is troubling people. Again, if you were doing the right thing, the words of some crazy man on the street should not offend you. 
right? But all these other things are occurring in that context. Again, look at all the events, cross hanging over the sky for a year, these weird phenomenon that happen um, at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, okay? So, right, <laughs> cows giving birth to lambs, great lights shining, sounds of earthquakes and thousands of voices yell- yelling, and then visions of armies fighting in the sky above Jerusalem, And in the midst of all that, this guy shows up, and his name is Jesus. He's not Christ, but he has the same name as the guy who came and told you about this a few years before. And then what do you do? You arrest him and have him whipped. And then because he does not stop, he just continues after he gets arrested, gets whipped, gets out. He gets back on the streets and continues his cry, basically calling out Jerusalem calling out the people and it become it creates such a disturbance that now Rome has to get involved and they beat him because Rome is afraid oh this guy's stirring up trouble among the Jews so we have to do something about it now and we really don't like doing it so they whip him again and he continues to say the same things so then Let's see what happened next. And when Albinus, for he was then our procurator, asked him who he was and whence he came and why he uttered such words, he made no manner of reply to what he said, but he still did not leave off his melancholy ditty till Albinus took him to be a madman and dismissed him. Now, during all the time that passed before the war began, this man did not go near any of the citizens, nor was seen by them while he said so. But he every day uttered the lamentable words as if it were his premeditated vow. Woe! Woe, woe to Jerusalem. Nor did he give ill words to any of those that beat him every day, nor good words to those that gave him food, but his reply to all men, and indeed to no other, a melancholy presage of what was to come. This cry of his was the loudest at the festivals, and he continued this ditty for seven years and five months without growing hoarse or being tired therewith until the very time he saw his presage and earnest fulfilled in our siege, when it was seized, for as he was going round upon the wall, he cried out with his utmost force, woe, 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 to the city again, and to the people, and to the holy house. And just as he added at last, woe, 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 to myself also, there came a stone out of one of the engines, and smote him, and killed him immediately. And as he was uttering the very same presages, he gave up the ghost." All right, so this guy is going around saying these things for seven years. And he has almost this supernatural ability to keep on going. And no one is paying attention. Again, the Romans look at him, and since they cannot, um, he just keeps saying the same thing over and over, regardless of how many times he's been arrested. They're like, oh, he just must be crazy. He must be mentally off anyway he says these things says these things says these things the rest of the people are continuing on his business as usual even after seeing the succession of supernatural events the siege of jerusalem continues and this dude uh, dies in the siege um again Everyone's continuing business as usual. So then we'll look at this last little section here. 
And this is Josephus. Josephus almost gives his opinion here. And Josephus says, Josephus, I'm not sure of his background. I don't think he was a believer. I think it could have been dangerous for him to be, being that he worked for the Roman government. But now if anyone consider these things, he will find that God takes care of mankind and by all the ways possible foreshadows to our race what it is for their preservation. But the men perish by those miseries which they madly and voluntarily bring to themselves. For the Jews, by demolishing the tower of Antonia, which made their temple four square, while at the same time they had written it in their sacred oracles, oracles that then their, should, their city should be taken as well as their holy house, uh, when once their temple should become four square. So he's saying, he's like, look, God takes care of people, Right? And he will show you, God will show you the signs and give you the warnings and literally give you instructions on what to do to take care of yourself and your people. However, if you do not do these things, then you are literally choosing to destroy yourself, more or less is what he's saying. And this is a dude who's just reporting history, okay? Not a believer, not a Jew. He doesn't have a dog in the fight either way. He's just reporting. This was his job. He's reporting historically what happened. All right. But if you believe, you know, you, you believe in this mentality that, right, everyone's against me. Everything's against me. Now you have to engage in a fight and you have to take things by force. Again, go back and listen to our episode on power versus force. And then if you are having to use force to get what you think you are owed, you know what happens? You will be met with force, whether you win or whether you lose. This is what's happening to the Jews here in this time. So, but now, what did the most elevate or what did the most elevate them in undertaking this war was an ambiguous oracle that was also found in their sacred writings. How about that time, one for the country should become governor of the habitable earth. The Jews took this prediction to belong to themselves in particular, and many of the wise men were thereby deceived in their determination. Now, this oracle certainly denoted the government of Aspasion who was appointed emperor in Judea. However, it was not possible for men to avoid fate, although they see it beforehand. But these men interpreted some of these signals according to their own pleasure, and some of them they utterly despised until their madness was demonstrated, both by the taking of their city and their own destruction. So basically, in summation, what Josephus says there, he's like, look, the priests and the high men and the Jewish um nation saw all these things go down and instead of interpreting them running them through um the filter of god they interpreted them the way they wanted to um to propagate their own selfish desires and it was both applied person to person but also for the whole of the nation so instead of actually listening to what God was telling them, they would use these signs to give them reasons to do the things that were outside of God's will. And hence, it led to their destruction in AD 70, according to Josephus's report here. Uh, but the point being here for me is, 
what ways do we do these same things in our lives? Are we paying attention? The worst is your the worst thing you could do, and this is what uh, Jesus said: that He who knows the Father and knows of me, but um, does not engage in my ways, is worse than an infidel because you know it and you have the knowledge of it. And there's a difference between the knowledge and the life. Okay, so you have the knowledge of these things, but then you don't apply them or you use the knowledge to misappropriate and try to get for yourself. And this is, I I think, as a society at large, we have a bad habit of doing this. And again, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself always. But what we have to consider is, is God trying to show up in our life? Are we seeing opportunities? Are we seeing just in our environment certain things that are going on and happening? But instead of actually sitting down with them and getting real about what's going on, are we using them as rationalizations to sit in our own echo chamber, if you will, or rational rationalizations to give us evidence or leverage for us to continue the way we've been going on for so long. It's funny because we want change, we want change, we want change. We see all the signs and the symbols and the communications, yet we sit there and the sign is very apparent. The miracle is very apparent and the miracle does nothing for us because our heart is not ready for it. So, you are responsible for your own soil, is what we get down to here. In Josephus' example, the priest, the people of Israel, they were responsible for their own soil, and God was showing them all of these signs, but yet they never got it right, and they kept digging themselves further and further and further and further into something bad that led to the destruction of their whole nation. Being responsible for your own soil, that means you're responsible for the condition of your heart. Things that happen to you, there is some responsibility on your part, but sometimes bad things just happen to you. Tough situations just happen to you. I'll be real. You start walking on the path of who you really are in the light of God. Right? There's kind of an incubation stage where things are real easy. It's like having training wheels on. But once those training wheels come off, a lot of things are a lot harder because most of the world does not operate that way. I'm just being honest with you. But you'll have the integrity and the character necessary to go through those things. So you're responsible for your own soil, the condition of your heart. If you're not willing to, enough to be humble. This is why humility is important. You have to put on that cloak of humility every day, every second, every point in your life. If you don't, that's why pride cometh before fall. We've heard that a million times. That's why. Because if you are proud, you are locked out of your ability to grow, to change, and to move from glory to glory. So put on the cloak of humility the thing about the cloak of humility is, um, if any of y'all familiar with Rick Joyner, right? This cloak of humility allowed him to go up and down the mountain at will. This cloak of humility, right? If you look at going through levels, it's the cloak of humility allows you, being humble allows you to be at the ground level 
with the lowest of the low, but also be at the top of the mountain with people who think they're very, very important. Without the cloak of humility, you get stuck on one level of the mountain, if you understand the metaphor. So let's take a good look at ourselves and make sure we're not missing or misappropriating the signs that are laid out before us. So again, I, I, I recommend y'all look that up. You know, just go type in Josephus, <laughs> Josephus calf or um, cow gives birth to a lamb and see what comes up. It's wild. But anyway, hope that was a benefit to y'all. Y'all stay on the path. Uh, I'm not going to get into any more announcements. You want the announcements there at the beginning of the show. It's your boy Monk. Peace and blessings to you from the Most High. Out.